Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the World Wrestling Podcast. Because, God forbid, I start talking about TNA so damn hard. Next thing you know, they shut down my fucking microphone. We are back here live. Sorry about the uh, inconvenience and the damn break there. But we are back here live for part two of the World Wrestling Podcast Kingdom of Wrestling Edition special thing. Yeah, sorry about that. I uh, just had a bit of a mic issue. Just so to- totally fucking disappeared. Um, could not fix it to save my life. It kept broadcasting, but I couldn't get the fucking mic fixed. So, you know, we're back here live. Fixing to get back on it. Good going, golly gush gosh. Um, try to send it around to everybody you know. Let everybody know. We are back, and we are live. TNA can't keep the man down. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, part two. So... Let's see. Getting back to the news stories. By the way, share us around. Tell all your friends. Tell your friends, friends. Um, you know that part two is up, and we are going live uh, once again. Just had to uh, fix some bugs. Had to get that mic going. I guess you guys can't hear me. I mean, God, that would suck for y'all not be able to hear my voice. Not being able to hear my voice at all. You know what I'm saying? That would that would suck so bad for y'all. So. One second, just sending this around a little bit. You know, you got to do a little bit of self-advertising. You got to bribe. Uh, check the World Wrestling Podcast. Not the Wallerud. Not the Wallerud. Um, because, you know, that's, 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 that's what it is. One moment. I had to type that on Facebook at the World Wrestling Podcast. The um, has just... And hasn't had any kind of major coverage except for, you know, TNA and a few minor promotions. So, um, with that being said, you know, they're trying to make a comeback onto TBS. And it's pretty cool. I mean, I think they're seeing the success of ROH and NJPW and all those promotions. How good wrestling is doing all over the country. And they're trying to, to bring it back to TBS, trying to make some money off of it. Maybe they'll do good. Hopefully they'll get something good going. Um, the National Wrestling Alliance might return to TBS Network after well over three decades. Former Impact Wrestling President Bill kind of faded into obscurity. Okay. Uh, we'll look into opportunities that become available. TBS also noted... We're talking to NWA as we speak, and if the right model comes into play, hopefully we'll be able to obtain it through the late afternoons with the NWA broadcasting and any additional ways history. Who aren't as familiar, because I mean, I know like Sean wasn't really familiar with the NWA and George Championship Wrestling. On February 7th, 1986, TBS aired Superstars on the Superstation. The show featured Ric Flair defeating Ron Garvin to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. The championship is the most oldest and longest active world title in pro wrestling. Now, we all know a lot about the NWA's history, but for those who have thoughts on it, so yeah, the more companies out there that are legitimate and have um, you know, like good writing and, 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 and good uh, substance to it, the better. Because... That was one of the things we used to love about 90s wrestling is that there was so much, so many options, so many alternatives out there that WWE couldn't be as dry as they are. They couldn't, they couldn't go half-assed like they have been for the last few years because they had to keep up with the competition. So it's, it's good. It is good. Now, there is a, a negative. Yes, I know. 
There is a negative. There's always a fucking negative. But the negative... I gotta reach my pop, goddammit. The negative is that there is a possibility of tarnishing the name. I mean, Billy Corgan... I mean, I don't know how much he had to do with the way that um, TNA was dealt with. You know, I don't. I don't know how much he had to do with the way that it has gone downhill. But I, I do know that... That's not me pissing, I promise. I'm pouring my, my pop. Pour my pop, guys. But I do know that it was bad. Plain and simple. It's been it's been kind of bad with TNA in the last few years. And Billy Corgan was behind some of it, I think. So, I'm just saying, maybe he isn't the guy to be behind the writing staff. I mean, he wants to own it, that's fine. But I wouldn't put him anywhere near creative. If you put him on screen, that's fine. I mean, he, you, he can use him as a draw, for instance. You know, no problem. But anything to do with creative, I would most definitely try to keep him off of it. I'm just saying. My personal opinion. The NWA has a lot of potential. It's got history. It's got mileage. There's so much mileage with the NWA. Ric Flair. Uh, Sting. Anything to do with WCW in the, in the old days like that. I mean, there's so much mileage. So much you can use the NWA with, and I think the TBS Superstation, CSAT, <laughs> not Superstation anymore, but, you know, they see that, I mean, Dusty Rhodes made, made the NWA to an extent, I mean, he brought so much publicity to Georgia Championship Wrestling, and TBS Superstation and the NWA, that, an excellent profile of the week, um, for those of you who don't know who Steve Blackman is, you should be ashamed of yourself. Blackman's no nonsense fit for the WWE Hardcore Division. There were few superstars that could match his intensity and training with martial arts weaponry. One thing Blackman couldn't combat, however, was being outmannered in August of 2000. Legal Weapon lost his Hardcore Championship to Shane McMahon when the chairman's son enlisted the help of several other superstars. Oh, goodness. Uh, 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 help of several other superstars to help him become the WWE Hardcore Champion. Later that month at SummerSlam, Blackman Blackman regained the title in a brutal contest after knocking McMahon off the top rope, top of the Titantron onto the arena floor, approximately 50 feet below. Blackman followed out, followed suit by jumping off the structure onto McMahon's limp body, covering him for the win. The image of the lethal weapon flying through the air remains one of Blackman's greatest career highlights. Definitely right. By the way, that match was at SummerSlam? Yes, SummerSlam. I can't remember the year, but it was a damn good match. Um, those two put on a fucking show. He is from Anvil, Pennsylvania. I can see him being a Pennsylvania guy. Um, former hardcore champion. The guy was phenomenal. Steve Blackman for you folks as our dirt sheet of the week. He, he He's good. He's good. I like Steve. Um, I wish he stayed around a little bit longer. You know, I wish I, I wish you could see him make a comeback just for like a few matches. You know, I mean, he was never like a huge draw. I know some people had some beef with him, but other than that, he was he was pretty damn good. All right, and now, now, folks, we move to the the the, the, the time of the hour. The man with the power. We move to the Wrestle Kingdom review. Yes, I know some of you've been waiting for that. Some of you've been waiting for for um waiting for the review of Wrestle Kingdom because it's it was a pretty damn good show, pretty damn good show. I might say so myself. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, some of you are like, okay, you watch the whole thing. The, those who, who know what New Japan is like, you know that that pay-per-view was six and a half hours long. You know? Six and a half hours long. And I'm not kidding. Legitimately, six hours, 39 minutes long. When I first took this show on, I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to do it. I finished it in one night. Yeah, that is called commitment. You know, co-fucking-mitment. So, I mean, I, I will say it was worth it, though. My God, was it worth it. We're going to go through every match. I'm going to talk about it. It isn't as fresh in my mind because it has been, you know, a couple of days. It's the 11th. This went on on the 4th. We're also going to be talking about New Year's Dash. Um, you know, so a lot of things happened though. It was really good. The whole show was awesome. I'll give it a final rating at the end of the review. So here we go. We're gonna start with the first match on the card. Now I will say this one I wouldn't call it the worst. You know, I, there really isn't a worst on the card. Every match had something that it brought to the table. This was an interesting one, you know, because it was a rumble. It's a New Japan rumble. I believe it's how they start off every Wrestle Kingdom, um, and it was, it was, it was pretty good. You know, it was it was very interesting. It was different. I got to meet some of the characters because I have been trying to get, um, have been trying to get into Wrestle Kingdom. You know, and so <clears throat> it was really cool. I got to meet some characters I haven't met before. I got to see some that I like. Uh, you know, some some not so much, but you know, it, it was it was good. Um, the winner was Masahito Kaikara. Now, what I got from this, I think this was the one match they did on the card that had Japanese. I mean, all the matches had Japanese commentary, but I had the English commentary edition, and I don't I don't remember if they had English commentary on the Rumble. <laughs> but what I get from it was Masahito Kaikara had cancer and was a cancer survivor, and he had come back from cancer to win this match, um, legitimately, and it was, it was a pretty good, good feel moment, um, he was a little, he was, he was a little small, you know, it was, I, you obviously could have told that Bushi or Chase Owens could have thrown him out of the ring, but, you know, whatever, this wasn't that big of a deal, um, it was a good matchup, Cheeseburger, I don't, you know, I've seen this guy twice, because I watched the New Japan Rumble last year, just for shits and giggles, and I watched this one. This guy, Cheeseburger, I'm not a fan. I know some of you are like, what the fuck? Cheeseburger. But I'm not, I'm just not a fan of Cheeseburger. You know, I'm really not. It's, he's just not, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. It's just not that interesting to me. You know, um, Chase Owens. It was really cool meeting him for the first time. You know, I had never seen him before. It was really, it was really good. El Desperado. I'm liking him. I'm more and more watching him. You know, more and more watch El, Desper El Desperado. I'm liking him. Um, Jushin Thunder Liger was really, really good. I, I definitely enjoyed him. Uh, Jushin, yeah, you gotta love Jushin Thunder Liger. He's, he's phenomenal. Uh, but yeah, the match was won by Masahito Kakikara. It was a good match to start, especially if you're new to New Japan. Good match to start the show off with. Uh, there were a few slow parts, you know, so-so, eh, but I, it's, it was a good match, you know, that was a good match, that's how I can rate that, it was just straight a good match. If I had to give it a star, uh, 
like a four out of five, three and a half out of five. wasn't bad, wasn't good. You know, it was, it was a good match. It was New Japan Rumble. You know, um, so next up, first official match of the show because it was that was supposed to be the pre. You know, the first official match of the show, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Jackson versus Rapungi 3K, showing you with their manager Rocky Romero. Good match. This was fee fucking nominal. Twenty minutes of absolute ass kicking, um, you know, hundred mile an hour, just phenomenalness. The Young Bucks continued to be themselves. The Young Bucks just rocking the house down with their super kicks, with the season desist submission, which is how they won, by the way. They won that match by submission. Um, gaining the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships for the seventh time, which is unheard of in, in New Japan, and also the first time they've ever won a title at Wrestle Kingdom. So congratulations to them on that. But yeah, the Young Bucks, and these guys had a war, I mean, to the point where Matt hurt his back pretty damn bad during the match, and I think that Yo, out of the show, and Yo hurt his back pretty bad. They used that spot, you know, um, during the match. It was really good. Yeah, definitely watchable. Definitely gets a perfect 5 out of 5. Um, there really wasn't any slow parts. They kept it together. It was, that, you know, it wasn't boring. It was just, it was just a good match. You know, straight, awesome, 5 out of 5. Great match from the Young Bucks and, and Rapongi 3K. I loved when they went out and they powerbombed Rocky Romero into the stage. Jesus, that powerbomb was savage as fuck. It looked like he was going to go through the damn stage. I thought he was for a minute there, but nope. He didn't. I thought he was, though. But yeah, the Young Bucks get their first title at New at Wrestle Kingdom. They've been seven times, but their first title winning at, at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, congratulations to them. Great match. Third match of the night. <sighs> Scene. Make sure you pay attention, because this is going to take a minute. <clears throat> you know how New Japan is with their tag team matches. Well, this is... Alright. <clears throat> Scene. We, in the third match, we've seen Chaos, which was Beretta, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toru Yano, versus the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, and Tonga Loa. Versus Michael Elgin and War Machine, Hanson and Raymond Rowe. Versus Suzuki Goon, which was Tai Chi, Takahashi Izuka, and Zack Sabre Jr. With El, El Desperado and Takamishinuku and Yoshinobu Kanumaru on the outside. And they were also against Taguchi Japan, which was Juice Robinson, Ryosuke Taguchi, and Togi Makabe in a gauntlet-style tag team matchup. Um, Three-man tag team matchup. For the never open weight six man tag team championship, which is a relatively new tag team championship, I think it was brought in last year around Wrestle Kingdom or um, New Year's Dash. Um, good match. This one was a little interesting. Um, the only problem I had with this match was that there's so much going on. I do love the six man thing. I really do. I love the the idea of having a six man tag team championship because you never see stuff like that, factions and all that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I love that idea. I'm definitely not not wanting to take away from that, but it was still there was so much going on. Um, sometimes it was a little slower than others, so you had more time to pay attention to see what was going on. But others, there was just outside the ring, inside the ring. It was a war. You know, it's hard to keep up sometimes. But other than that, you know, it was a good match. I give it like a three and a half out of five, three, solid three at least. His approach to the competition made him a national. That would be the answer on that one. 
So, yeah, solid three for that match. It's it's not a bad match, though. If, if, like I said, if you get a chance to watch it, check it out. You know, it's just so you can see it. All right, next up. Oh, one of my favorite teams in Japan right now that I'm really getting into. Los Incobernables de Japan, which was evil in Sonata, took on the Killer Elite Squad, which is Davey Boy Smith Jr., who is also a badass, and Lance Archer, who were the champions. And it was for the IWGP Tag Team Championship. And this match was pretty damn good. It was very one-sided, most of it. Uh, you know, it's, it's 14 minutes long, and I would say that 13 minutes, maybe 12 minutes of it was one-sided to the, the side of Killer Elite Squad, because those guys are fucking huge. My God, it's like watching the APA again take on, like, Rey Mysterio and Kalisto, which, not, nothing away from them, they're just small, you know what I'm saying? Evil and Sonata are also kind of smaller. Evil's a little bulkier, but small. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, these two... These two had a great match. These four, excuse me. These, these four had a great match. Uh, you know, Sonata really, really was beat down, and so was Evil. And it really did look like Davey Boy and Lance were going to continue to have their championships retained. But no, no, they they didn't. Uh, Evil and Sonata pulled it off the win after a great performance for the both of them. Four, four solid stars out of five. Um, there was a few slow parts. That's all I would say. That's all I'm really going to say. There was, there was just enough slow parts for me to take it down to a four. But it was a good match, and I, I definitely suggest you see it. Um, you watch the whole show. If you watch the whole show, it's, it's one of the highlights of the show, I'd say. Not the best match on the card, but nowhere near the worst. It's just, you know, there's so many good matches on this card, you can't put that as number one. Uh, you know, the best match on the card's coming up in a little bit. But yeah, Davey Boy Smith and Lance Archer lose their IWGP Tag Team Championships to Los Ingobernables de Japón. I love saying it. I just, I just do. I, I love saying their tag team is fucking. And that's that's the tag team. That's the faction that's ran by Tetsuya Naito, who was in the main event up against Okada for the World Heavyweight Championship, which we'll be getting to here in a little bit. But yes, Los Ingobernables de Japón. Take the IWGP Tag Team Championship home with them back to Tetsuya Naito. So, good match. Definitely good. Solid four to five. Oh, now see, this one, this next match was phenomenal. Fee fucking nominal. Hiroki Goto took on Minoru Suzuki. Now, I have been watching Japanese wrestling seriously for about 11 days. <laughs> That's, I mean, I have always kept up with, with Japan. You know, it's not that I didn't know they existed or anything. I didn't watch any of their stuff. I always caught stuff from Japan. But the thing was, I never did the subscription, you know, don't have it on a channel over here. And a lot of their stuff they keep protected because they don't want to lose money, which I understand. So when I heard about the Jericho versus Omega, or, yeah, Jericho versus Omega match coming to Wrestle Kingdom, I was like, shit, I got to get it this year. I got to check it out. And so, I picked it up the first, because the way they make you pay your bill with New Japan is every first of the month. All their money comes in at once, which is a little weird, but, you know, whatever they want to do, that's fine. So, first thing I did, is I started trying to find wrestlers that I knew. You know, obviously, I watched some AJ Styles stuff, I watched some Will Ospreay stuff, you know, the Bullet Club. And then I had come, I had seen him before, but I, I was like, okay, I'm going to look up that Suzuki guy, Minoru Suzuki. Because I liked him in ROH, I seen him wrestle in ROH, he was just like this monster-esque character. And so I found him, and he's got this whole faction based around him, Suzuki-gun. 
and it's it's really fucking cool. He's just awesome. He he was a cage fighter for a few years, and then he went on to he, he was he was a wrestler for a while. Then he became a cage fighter, which he became one of the top cage fighters in Japan and hell even the world for a very long time. And he went back to wrestling in like two thousand and four. And he has just been tearing up the wrestling world for that long. I mean, he's not the heavyweight champion. Well, he was the heavyweight champion during this match, the Never Openweight Championship. Which, I, in a minute, I'll try and explain to you guys a little bit about the Never Openweight thing. But, Minoru Suzuki is, he's just as, I don't even know how to put it. If, Undertaker. The Undertaker for Japan. I wouldn't say as much of a phenom and as, as mysterious as the Undertaker or anything. He doesn't have that character. But, uh, uh, like, wrestling ability and such. Like, he's he's got very good wrestling ability. He's, he's like, if Undertaker and Bret Hart had a baby. There we go. No. If Undertaker and, if Undertaker and Chris Benoit had a baby, that baby would be Minoru Suzuki. Because he's just arm bars, sleeper holds... Um, he really focuses on the arm bars and sleeper holds, especially he loves the sleeper. Um, and his, his, his intention is to choke you out. His intention is to make you submit. And if he doesn't get you to submit, he's going to hit you with the power driver that he, that he does, which is the Gotch power driver, which is a, uh, tribute to, I think Anderson Gotch or somebody like that. I'm not sure who the tribute is to, but he does it as a tribute and he, he does it pretty damn good. He does one of the best power drivers in the business. <coughs> and he's simple. He's not... He's not, um, you know, flashy. You know, he's straight black tights. He's got the, the most the most flamboyant thing on the guy is his hair set up, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, he's got, like, this, this this one fan of hair in the very back of his head, probably to, like, the center and then to the back, and then the rest of it shaved with designs and his swirls and all this. And he, it's, he's cool as fuck, man. He took on Hiroki Goto, and it was a great match for the uh, Never Openweight Championship. Which the never, never thing, the never open weight thing is so they have championships for everybody else too. Like you have the heavyweight, they, they're very serious about the heavyweight division, the junior heavyweight division, um, the intercontinental division and all that. So they make sure they have titles set up so that their other talent can have some sort of spotlight as well. The open weight is a match you could do Big Show versus Rey Mysterio and it wouldn't matter. It's the open weight, it's never open weight championship. But Hiroki Goto took on Minoru Suzuki for the Never Openweight Championship, not only for that, but it was a hair versus hair with no seconds, and it was a death match, and it was a good match. This match was, was it gets a five for me. These two just beat the hell out of each other. It wasn't as much death as you would think, like death match-ish, it wasn't as much hardcore, but it didn't matter. They made up for it with Minoru Suzuki's maneuvers. I mean, he basically at one point hung the guy from the top rope. He picked him up by his head and hung Hiroki Goto in a sleeper hold from, like, the second rope, brought him off his feet. It was fucking insane. So, you know, definitely gets a 5 out of 5. Um, is it my match of the night? No, I won't say it's my match of the night, even though I'm a huge Minoru Suzuki fan now. Uh, I will say that it, is, it gets third place to match of the night, maybe fourth. Uh, it was really good, and if you watch the show, it's definitely a highlight. A match number 6 on the card which would be Hiroki Goto and Minoru Suzuki. Hiroki Goto won the match. He won the Never Openweight Championship. And Minoru Suzuki, being the prideful and very traditional wrestler that he is, uh, he held up on his end of the bargain <coughs> after Suzuki-gun charged the ring and 
tried to get him out of there and all that. He held up his end of the bargain. He went back and he sat down in the chair and he shaved his own head. Whatever works for you, bud. Yep, he shaved his head. Hair versus hair match. And now he's bald. He's not happy. Not happy. Next up, seventh match. Now, this match right here, I can, I'm can. i going to tell you right now, it's a five out of five. It was so fucking good. It was a fatal four-way matchup for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, which is the light heavyweights. And it was Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, who had the title, uh, Hiromu Takahashi, and Kushida. Fatal four-way, this fucking match was 100 miles an hour, balls to the wall. It was just good. I mean, there's it had the comedy from Marty Skrull. You had the high-flyingness from Will Ospreay. You had the unpredictability from Hiromu Takahashi. And you had just genuine, all-around great wrestling from Kushida. They just all brought something to the ring, and they left it all there. I mean, there's nothing negative I can say about this match. Will Ospreay ended up uh, winning the match and taking home the Junior Heavyweight Championship, which he had lost to Marty Skrull just a few months back. Another pay-per-view. These guys put on a show, man. I mean, hell, it was. It's almost. Uh, it, it it would almost be as good as the main event of the show actually ended up being because I watched. Like I said, I watched the whole thing, and the main event. Well, the main event, in my opinion, is the match of the night. It really was. It was the greatest fucking match I've seen in a long time. But this match would get a second place for sure. Will Ospreay defeats him um, after just some great wrestling. Marty Skrull. Loses his title, obviously upset, but he, I think he's going to be trying to work get it back. But I think the next feud they're going to do with Will is going to be Hiromu Takahashi. They may have Marty Skrull make a comeback trying to get the title, but Hiromu Takahashi really came close to taking that match. I mean, there were several moments it looked like Hiromu was going to take it home. Back to, uh, you know, Los, Ingo, Los Ingobernables de Japan. Uh, because he's part of that faction as well. That's a big thing with New Japan factions, which is something I really enjoy. You got Chaos, Bullet Club, uh, Los Ingobernables de Japan, Taguchi Japan. Uh, There's so many factions in New Japan. It's it's very interesting how that comes into play. It gives them a very organized setup of where all of their wrestlers are. So, great match. Definitely a 5 out of 5. Will Ospreay taking the title back home to Chaos. He's in Chaos. And, um, yeah, just a good match. 5 out of 5, 100%. Um, this next match, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jay White. Hiroshi Tanahashi was the only... Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi was one of the only three title holders of the night to retain their championships. And, yeah, everybody else... Championships are switching around, but Hiroshi Tanahashi is one of the three to actually keep their titles. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi took on the Switchblade, Jay White. Now, Jay White is interesting. I've never seen the guy wrestle before this match. And from what I gather, he's he's pretty good. Um, I, I, I think he's relatively new. In, in the wrestling business, I think. Uh, you know, like I said, I've never heard of the guy up until this point. So I couldn't tell you 100% if he's, he's a legend or if he's been around or whatever. But I I can say right now, I'm not a fan. I don't know. I just, there was something about him I didn't dig. I don't know if it was his look or the way he wrestled. But I just didn't didn't really dig him all that much. He just wasn't that fucking good to me. So, you know... 
I, it wasn't a bad match, though. This would be another kind of... I wouldn't, wouldn't even say it was like Cody and Ibushi for me. Hiroshi Tanahashi really carried the match. He did a lot of good stuff. I've watched him wrestle before. He's the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion. And he, you know, like I said, kept his title. Uh, but it's just... I don't know. I felt like it was more one-sided. I mean, I, I, to, it, to me, Hiroshi carried him a lot. Were there mistakes made on both sides? A few times. A couple of little botches here and there. Uh, but I, ca I can't give it a perfect score. Um, I'd have to give it about a 3 out of 5. It wasn't a terrible match, though. I won't say that. It wasn't terrible. I, I, don't skip it or anything. It's not like that. It's just, yeah, you know. It's, it's there. You know, it's that kind of thing. All right, next up. Like I said, Hiroshi Tanahashi kept his Intercontinental Championship. Next up, one of the reasons that a lot of you, if you did watch Wrestle Kingdom, got your subscription, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Which, that's not a punch at anybody. I got the subscription because of this match, too. I just ended up kind of falling in love with New Japan because it's just so fucking good. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. That would be my... In New Japan, that I've seen reality and what's a bump and what's a work. I mean, it's it's... This, it's just so blurred. I mean, these guys definitely did that. They made you get into the story. You didn't, you know, even if people were standing beside you saying, there's fake, fake, you wouldn't even heard them because of the story and the show they put on for you and then told to you didn't matter. The, the hate, the jealousy, the fighting, it was just art in motion. Those two, art in motion. So Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho definitely get a 5 out of 5. Kenny Omega ended up taking the match. Uh, from Chris Jericho after enormous amounts of V-triggers and finally a one-winged angel onto a chair. Uh, Chris Jericho just couldn't hold up anymore. And I mean, no, nothing against Jericho. He fucking took V-triggers like a champ, that guy. I couldn't believe... I thought maybe two V-triggers would come out from Kenny to be done, you know, because those V-triggers, those knees to the face are fucking savage. Savage. They are just savage. But nope. He took him like a champ. Good match. Kenny Omega defeats Chris Jericho to retain. The second man to retain out of the three. His IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Great match. Finally. The moment some of you have been waiting for. Is what my opinion is on the main event. The main event. Two wrestlers who in New Japan, who I've, I've heard of before, both these guys. Um, Kazuchika Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. Now, here's a little bit of a history lesson on both. I'm not going to go too far into it, but you need to know this so you can understand what people's deal is with this match. Kazuchika Okada um, has been the IWGP Heavyweight Champion for well over 500 and some odd days. Uh, one of the longest reigning IWGP Champions in the history of New Japan. Now, you see, what, what New Japan does is when they pick a champion, they they fucking just, they invest. They invest quite a bit. Uh, 500 days, 524 days or so, that's an investment, all right? I mean, they've only had, I can't remember the actual, there's been a, little, a handful of champions since like 2010 for IWGP. For the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, they've only had a handful WWE goes through champions every five months. <coughs> these guys hang around these titles for a long time. So yeah, I expect Okada to keep it for a while. 524 days? That is a while. Uh, 
but yeah, that's how New Japan works. They invest in you. If, if you're going to be one of their champions, especially their heavyweight champion, you're going to hold that title for a very long time to be the face of the company, to carry the company so that those titles don't lose any kind of value whatsoever. They protect their titles very much, and they build them. I mean, the IWGP title, in my opinion, after seeing what I've seen of New Japan, the IWGP title is it's just more valuable than titles like the WWE Universal Championship or the World Heavyweight Championship over there. I mean, it's just protected so much more, you know, it's just, just protected better. I mean, it really is. So, yeah, there's that. Kazuchika Okada being a success story in NJPW, wrestled in TNA for a while and wrestled in Japan. So he's made his way up the ranks, joined Chaos when Shinsuke Nakamura was the leader there. He eventually took over leadership of Chaos and has had some of the greatest matches in New Japan history the last few years, especially the one of the three biggest ones of his career were with Kenny Omega. Um, over the titles, over uh, the G1 Climax, um, where I think he finally lost after having the match of what some people call a match of the century with Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 11, breaking the Dave Meltzer scale to the point where he had to reevaluate wrestling as a whole. And that says a lot. Dave Meltzer is a hardcore wrestling fan, hardcore wrestling reviewer if you never heard of him, big guy in the wrestling review field. Uh, he has developed the Meltzer scale, which is a commonly used term. And so, for him to have to reevaluate his ideals on wrestling means you have done something that is so phenomenally great. I mean, there's not even a word for what you've done. So, Okada has held this title for 524 days. Over 524 days. And the guy he's going up against has faced him before at Wrestle Kingdom 8 or 9 or 10. Might have been, I think it was eight. It's been years ago. There are still ones before, and I think I believe Naito lost then as well. Uh, Naito was supposed to be in the main event at ten, and because of a fan vote, got taken out. And so he's been trying to get that title back for a long time. He's been in and out of the scene. He worked in CMLL for a while. Naito has been sort of the black sheep of the New Japan company, uh, back and forth working for other companies. Um, he, he's, he's done really well. I mean, he especially this past year, 2017, he brought Los Ingobernables from CMLL to Japan, forming his own version of the faction, because it, there is an original faction in CMLL, which is just called Los Ingobernables. But he brought it to Japan, forming it with Evil, Bushi, Sanada, and uh, Hiromi Tanahashi. I think that's his name. Um, and forming what is called Los Ingobernables de Japan. And so, he's been, in my opinion, this match, he was most definitely, he's been sort of the underdog in the company. The black sheep underdog. And so, he went into this match with a lot of momentum. A lot of people thought this was the time to to trade titles. This was the time to put the strap on somebody else. Kazuchika Okada's had it for a long time. And honestly, I agree. I think it was the time to bring the title over to Tetsuya Naito. Um, Naito could more than, more than most definitely carry the company uh, more than most, definitely have his face on the merchandise and do what he has to do. I mean, it's all over there now. I mean, he's one of the big four in the company as it stands. Kenny Omega, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and um, Tetsuya Naito. Those four are regarded as the big four in New Japan. You see them on all their pay-per-views. Um, they, are the ch- they are the champions, and you got Naito, which isn't a champion right now. And I mean... This match was a phenomenal match. These two put on a fucking clinic out there. And honestly, 
I, I felt like even during the match, even at the end, I'm I'm standing there and I genuinely and I don't I don't see this very often. New Japan's been doing this to me a little bit, but especially with this match, I genuinely had no idea who's gonna pull off the victory. I mean, even with the Kenny Omega Chris Jericho match, I could tell you that they weren't gonna give the title to Jericho because they're not gonna trade the title to a guy who's probably leaving the next day. But Tetsuya Naito Kazuchika Okada or Okada Naito, if that's easier to say. Uh, those two, I mean, both of them are full-timers. Both of them are in the company. Both of them are main event guys. So they've got, both of them have so much momentum, you really don't know who they're going to keep in that main event mode. Okada or Naito. And honestly, I don't think they made the wrong decision. New Japan knows what they're doing. These guys have put up put up some really good stuff this past year. What I've been checking out on New Japan World, which I highly suggest you get, $8.82 a month. In American money. Uh, 999 yen if you just so happen to be listening from Japan. But it's it's good. It's, this match was phenomenal. And I genuinely had no idea who was going to win. They had me so enthralled, these two. Genuinely had no idea. 36 minutes of clinics. 36 minutes of just fee fucking novelist from the entrance to the leaving. Naito leaving the match, upset, walking out of the fucking, into the crowd and out of the ring. Okada saying something, and he he spoke in Japanese. He is Japanese, so obviously I didn't understand a word he said. But I think it it felt more like it was some kind of speech, like not only thanking the fans for being there, but like thanking Naito for a great match. Naito being the heel, well, supposed to be the heel. He's one of those heels who get cheered. Um, You know, just kind of looks back and is like, so, yeah, great matchup. Five out of five. This is the match of the night. I'm sorry, the main event was the match of the night for me. People are going to think I'm crazy. Everybody's like, Omega Jericho, Omega Jericho. Omega Jericho gets solid second or third. I'd say it goes Okada Naito, Omega Jericho, and then uh, Suzuki Goto. Those three matches, the top three matches. Oh, no, excuse me. It would go Okada Naito, Omega Jericho, uh, Osprey Skrull, Takahashi Kushida, and then... Hiroki Goto and Minoru Suzuki. Those are the top four matches of the night for you. Those four you have to see. Even if you want to watch all six and a half hours, those four matches you have to see. They just did so many good things. Overall, the show gets, for me, fucking five out of five. Ten out of ten. Twenty out of twenty. These guys did so good. It was entertaining from start to finish. Even with those slow spots. Even with the Tanahashi J. White match. Even with the Cody Rhodes, Cody Ibushi match. It was it was phenomenal, and I I really don't know I don't have words to explain just how fucking awesome this show was. These guys put on a clinic, they put on a show. Um, when you paid, especially for us people who are out here in the United States who paid our ten dollars or so for it, they gave you more than ten dollars worth. Hell, they gave you thirty or forty bucks worth. That was a fifty dollar pay per view, and I paid eight dollars for it, and. It was worth every fucking cent. I'd, you know, honestly, if I had the money, I'd pay him more because it was just so damn good. Um, I've seen people complaining a little bit about the production value and stuff. The thing about Japan, though, see, I'll tell you that. If you decide to start watching Japan from anything I've told you, listen to this. They treat it like a sport. Where the United States wrestling companies treat it like, uh, you know, it's it's a TV show and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's, it's all this and it's all that and drama and storyline. They treat it like a TV, like like a like a sport. They have press conferences instead of post and pre-match interviews. Excuse me. Um, they have uh, you know trophies and, and tournaments and cups and and you see a lot of wires and stuff out on the floor. It's not supposed to look so clean and modern. It's supposed to look like 
a sport, rugged, and you know it's it's there for your entertainment to see, like you know uh, gladiators and stuff. Like they just do a very good job with their presentation, in my opinion, for what they're going for. So yeah, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom 12 most definitely gets a five out of five stars. It was phenomenal. It was a it was a great match. Um, it was a great show. So. Yeah, I would just I would suggest getting it. I mean, no doubt about it. Get get the show, get the match, get everything. Just buy it all. Buy the fucking shit. Buy it all. I've been buying um, been buying the merch. I will tell you that. Uh, I most definitely have been buying the merch. It's it's. I've already got a a Bullet Club shirt as it stands. I'm trying to get me a Los Ingobernables Dijapan T-shirt. I love saying that. I do. God, I love saying that. It just sounds so fancy. You know? Just sounds so fucking fancy. Next up, it's a double, it's a twofer, it's a twofer, two for Thursday, you know, as we also review New Year's Dash. Now, New Year's Dash is, in comparison, would be like the Raw after WrestleMania, pretty much. Um, it's, it's filled with a lot of tag team matches. It's sort of where they start their storylines, start the cogs of of, of seeds of, of, of betrayal and all this and start building towards Wrestle Kingdom 12 or 13. You know, I mean, they, they, they start all that at New Year's Dash. And so it gives you somewhere to start if you want to start watching. They try to make sure you have a clean ending, which is, the, which is Wrestle Kingdom, and a clean beginning, which is New Year's Dash, every year so new people can easily check it out instead of it having it all just continuing, 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 continuing. But yes, we'll get right on that. Um, so the first match was sort of a, a young boy match. There was a couple of guys in it that were bigger, but I don't know anything about any of them. So, yeah. It was Tenkoji uh, with Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima, Manabu Nakanashi, and Yuji Nagata, which... Yuji Nagata was, was he's not a young boy, he's really cool actually. I love that guy. And they were versus Ren Narita, Shorta Umino, Tetuchio, Yagi, and Tomoyuki Aka. I don't know very much about those guys except Yuji. Yuji Nagata is uh, a legend right there. With their tag team partner, Cheeseburger, which I still don't really understand, but okay. Uh it was a three on three. Mega and Matt Jackson had gotten pretty fucked up the night before. I mean you know, Matt had hurt his back pretty bad. Kenny had taken that beating from Chris Jericho. was opened up the night before, bleeding everywhere. They had a bandage on his head. And those two were, like, really aching. Nick's real hyper and good to go and all this. And at one point, he tried to tag one of them in. And uh, <laughs> they were, they both stood off the, the edge of the ring. like, no, you got this. You're on your own here, Bob. You know, it was just kind of a funny match. It was a good one, you know. It, was, it wasn't that long, I think, uh... Bullet Club ended up taking it after they did some work on Cheeseburger together after showing Yo was thrown out the ring. It was a good match. Bullet Club, again, which was Chase Owens, Cody, Leo, Tonga, Marty Skrull, and Yujiro Takahashi, the, the, the Tokyo pimp, took on David. Actually, pretty cool. Um, the match was pretty solid. Kenny, Cody starts losing his after he had already beat up, you know, uh, Ibota, Kota Ibushi. And so he takes a chair, and he's about to beat the living hell out of this boy with the chair. I mean, just go nuts on the motherfucker. When Kenny Omega runs out to stop this, obviously. I mean, that's not the way they work. And, like, the whole Bullet Club's around them, and 
Kenny is like, what the hell are you doing? That's not how we operate. He pushes Cody, and Cody pushes back. And it's sort of a shoving war between the two. And we've, we've been seeing this not only in, in the wrestling shows, but we have been seeing this on the Being the Elite television show on YouTube. Um, you know, you've been seeing the the bit of, of angst and the bit of aggro between the two. Uh, a little bit, a lot of jealousy from Cody that Kenny Omega is the leader of the Bullet Club. You know, two big fish in a small pond kind of thing. And, you know, one of them has got to leave town. So that's coming to a head. Now, I've got a theory about that whole situation. A couple of different theories we're going to talk about as soon as I'm done reviewing the rest of the show. But I, I've been thinking about it for a while. But, yeah, it seems like there's going to be a problem there between Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. Now, it could be very intense and one fucking mind and grabs a damn chair from out in the crowd on chaos which is that was you know from them last night in that gauntlet tag team matchup the match was good it was it was solid it was a very good match bad luck folly really kicks some ass i mean i love watching bad luck folly wrestle he was just good tabo tonga and tonga lower are great right up to and toriano uh they had won the title them motivated somehow davy boy smith lance archer minoru suzuki and sack saber jr Versus War Machine, Hanson and Raymond Rowe, and Hiroshi Tanahashi and Michael Elgin. These guys put on... It'll be his fifth defense or sixth defense if they go up against each other. But yes, they're the challenger of the champion. Um, uh, Hiroki Goto, the new champion. Uh, Chaos kind of walked out of, of, of Wrestle Kingdom, kind of the victors. They picked up a couple of titles. You know, the junior heavyweight, they kept their world heavyweight. Hiroki Goto won the never open weight. Uh, they, 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 they did a pretty good night. So these ten men put on a fucking great show. At the end of the match, uh, they kind of attacked Kazuchika Okada after Tetsuya Naito won the match for his team. Sonata, his two big things out of this, Sonata actually picked Kazuchika Okada up and sort of did this cutter maneuver, uh, this full body cutter onto him, planting him in the middle of the ring. Uh, his his boys from Chaos having to roll him out and take him to the back. Sonata issuing a challenge to Kazuchika Okada for the World Heavyweight Championship. I believe the next pay-per-view, which again, the tag team champions, the new guys. Uh, between the two of them, here that that, that uh, Jericho had grabbed and started to you know swing at him. He grabs the chair, acts like he's going to throw it outside the ring, stops, brings it around him real quick in the same fluent motion as sets it up, sits a folding chair, sets up the folding chair, sits down and looks away from him. It's like, I don't, I don't fucking care that you're here, that you tap me, whatever, you're nobody. And these two just, I want to see it now, but the next thing I know, the next thing I see on Instagram is Chris Jericho's like, goodbye Japan, and I'm like, the fuck? What do you mean goodbye Japan? You mean you're leaving after that? It's just a big fuck you to the fans?